everybody to Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I'm author and ghost historian Mike Ricksecker. With me as always is my co-hostess Vanessa Hogle. And down in the chat room, our chat shenanigator Shauna shaking everything up. We have a fantastic episode coming up for you tonight. We have actress Devony Penn with us. She's uh, currently the star of the film The Dawn. You guys probably recognize her from Dwelling, which we featured on here, um, I guess it was a couple years ago now. Has also been in a number of other films. We'll get into her whole career um, coming up right now. How are you doing, Devony? I am doing great, and you have a great voice. I'm listening to that. I'm like, oh, I'm getting excited. Good thing it's my episode. Because I'm a little too pumped to be here now. What's Thank up? You. Hi, Vanessa. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a great voice, does he? Yeah. Oh, I try. Here. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me on so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so Devaney, um, you actually have a, a pretty extensive career, and you're still young. Um, I remember first seeing you on, um, I think it was The Black Dahlia, actually, uh, was the first film of yeah. yours that I saw, uh, which I thought was really interesting because you guys actually had a, uh, um, you filmed a scene there at the location where uh, Elizabeth Short's body was found, which I thought was pretty interesting. So I've been watching your films for a while now, and now you have this new one out, The Dawn. So tell us a little bit about what's going on with this. Uh, well, thank you, first of all. Um, yeah. Black Dahlia was a lot of fun and, uh, and dwelling as well. And uh, I kind of found um, a love for the paranormal a bit through that process. And so um, I try to do a little something for everybody, uh, depending on whatever gets your, gets your thing going. I have a subgenre of a film that would be appealing to you. And so it came time to kind of circle back around to, uh, to the genre. I miss genre fans. And so the concept for the dawn came to me and I just fell in love with it right away. Um, it's kind of hard to talk about to people who haven't seen it yet, because as we're going to probably discuss, there's a lot of spoilers with it. Um, but in a nutshell, it's uh, about a girl whose father is suffering from PTSD um, in the early 1900s before it has been diagnosed. It's right after the world war. And so her father ends up, um, having flashbacks to the war and triggering and accidentally or intentionally, depending on your opinion, uh, killing his family. And my character Rose is the lone survivor of that. So now she's an orphan and she gets taken to a convent to grow up, decided she wanted to dedicate her life to the church and become a nun. And we kind of drop in on her towards the final phases of that process. Um, she's living there, the convent with a, uh, couple of her her nun friends played by Stacey Dash and Amanda Day. And we start seeing the day-to-day routine. But as the film continues on, you see that there's not everything quite right. And there's something a little bit off and it builds and builds. And then basically, um, I don't don't know how to say it without squealing. There's two different timelines going on, you know, and basically the, the film asks the question, if you, believe in the paranormal, you'll watch this as a paranormal movie. If you don't, you'll watch it as um, a girl suffering from mental illness. And so the goal was, um, and something that I always really love to talk to people about when I would go on um, conventions or ghost hunts and things, people who are skeptics, we wanted to still be able to enjoy the film as a full a full story and people who believed in paranormal influence would be able to watch it as a full story and it still be cohesive. And then of course at the end, there's yet another 
twist to it. It turns out to be something completely different. So yeah, and we won't divulge that twist. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I know that's, that's a big that's, one. Uh, that's, yeah, it is. <laughs> Um, yeah, what I thought was really interesting about the film was the fact that, you know, as, as I was watching it, um, just kind of playing back and forth, okay, is, you know, is she experiencing something normal or excuse me, paranormal? I'm still suffering from a, uh, cold from this past weekend. Uh, yeah. Is, is Rose suffering from something paranormal or is she suffering from, you know, some sort of psychotic, uh, episode stemming from what happened with her father and it kind of plays yes. back and forth between that. Yes. And, um, and again, when you, and you have to watch all the way to the end because then it, it reveals itself to be a completely different story. Um, but when you know that, then you can kind of go back and reference um, yet another timeline, which is actually a little bit of a spoiler um, rooted in true events. And you can check back and see the reference to those real events and see that it actually fits in line there. And that same story asks those same two questions and it's been a debate ever since. And so this kind of plays homage to that. Yeah, there is. And, and I noticed some of the imagery kind of mixed in throughout the film. And I and yeah. I remember sitting there thinking to myself, wait a second, was that? Yes. And it got, got <laughs> confirmed at the end. Wow. Okay. So. Yes, it is. There's little things throughout, and that was a lot of, um, you know, really kudos to, to Brian Segal and Elliot Devaney, who, um, who wrote the script. They, again, referenced sprinkling of um, the final point of the plot throughout the movie, where if you're familiar with it, you might recognize it, but you um, would otherwise think it fits organically throughout. And there are a number of things like that so it's we wanted it to be interactive we wanted it to be something you could watch over and over again and catch new things and have a new experience each time and i think so far we've been able to achieve that so it's kind of fun good it's always great when you can go back later and uh you know pick out those hidden things so vanessa you have something yes <laughs> yeah um about a year ago i had somebody contact me on psd and paranormal activity they wanted to know if there was any type of of connection of those who have been through traumatic instances like a war and if they were more susceptible to it. Was that something that was in the writer or the director or producer's mind when they were doing this is to show a connection between the two and then to show the connection with you also being a witness to traumatic events and maybe that's, paranormal activity following you? That's a great question. Um, and. I wish we had the, the writers on so they could go into that further, but it was my understanding that they wanted to explore the correlation between the two. They wanted to know if you were uh, an individual who was more open in general um, with those things. You know, uh, paranormal experts tell me that if, if some people are some are more susceptible to the to having an encounter or having something touch them or interact with them than other people would be. So there's a question there of, you know, are those same people more open to traumatic experiences going to be more affected by those? Um, or people who are suffering from that, are they actually people who have been affected by paranormal activity and they don't know how to process it? And it's just, you know, regurgitating trauma. It, there's a lot of really interesting concepts there that I think the writers just wanted to bring up and have the discussion about. You know, I work a lot with um, with director Brandon Slego and he loves 
anything that gets the audience involved and, and ask questions and makes you think. And so I think overall, that's what the intention was here. Exactly, because that is something that, that with my experience that I found is, is to be true, that if you've been touched by death, then it's easier for death to retouch you. If that's, I mean, it's a very simplistic way of putting it. But, but I it makes sense. It true. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I just thought that was a really cool twist that they did on it because at first I'm like, oh, this is a historical PTSD film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could be if that's the film you're looking to watch, you could potentially watch it that way. And uh -huh. if you're, you know, but if you see something else or something more in it, then it becomes a completely different viewing experience for you. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I just I thought that was really interesting. I've never quite seen anyone put it that way. So it was appreciated. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome. Let them know. <laughs> I will. I will. They're going to be listening for sure. So. Oh, good. <laughs> so we already have some people down in the chat asking uh, where they can find the movie. Now, we, I did link it down in the description below, but uh, Devani, where else can you uh, find The Dawn? Uh, so it had a limited theatrical release, which we're really happy about, and it's now available on DVD and VOD. It actually just came out in stores about a week ago. Um, so the main place everyone is finding it universally is Walmart. So it's on, in stores on shelves Walmart right now. Um, I've also been told that some Target and Barnes and Noble have it. Um, it's available on iTunes, available on Amazon, it's available on Vudu, um, and there'll be more uh, as we go along here. It just just came out, so we're going to have more more outlets next few months as well. Okay, fantastic. Now I have to ask you about the location because I thought that that house building um whatever that huge mansion was was just beautiful it was how cool is that we um so we filmed most of the movie um in location in twin cities in minnesota and that mansion is an actual historic mansion there it's now a museum and believe it or not i don't know if you're familiar with it but that is the real hill house called james j hill house oh wow and uh yes so um we have a lot of really cool little nods to um, to different uh, paranormal or horror uh, entities throughout the film. So that's one of those little nods. Um, I want to give a shout out to their staff because they were amazing. They opened up the whole place to us. Um, a lot of the house, the decor, um, and everything is still intact from its original period. Um, there's a lot of information about the original owners. They were kind of uh, tycoons in the state, in the town. And um, and we were able to kind of walk into the time period and then just showcase it the way it was. Uh, a lot of the, the montage you see um, throughout the movie is actual, it was barely dressed. It was all things that are still there. So if any of you were ever in Minnesota, I highly suggest going in there. They give tours throughout and it's really fascinating to go and, and uh, and see the whole space. It's absolutely beautiful. You know, we only showed a piece of it in a movie. And, and again, we're really grateful to, to have that. But it was kind of cool. They claim it's not haunted, but I'm not sure. I was going to ask you that next. <laughs> Did you experience yeah, any hauntings? I want to throw that in there. They swear it's not, but I don't know. I can't give that for sure. Okay. We, we you didn't experience anything there. yourself? Um, well, it's getting, getting kind of loud in here. Um, we... We actually had experiences throughout the movie. Um, okay. A lot of them, yeah. 
And um, I can't give away all of them without, again, spoiling some of the things. Sure. But um, but we had a we were really sure for a while that the film itself was cursed or that we had opened something up because um, day one on set, uh, our actor had a stroke. Oh, wow. Whoa. Yeah. Yes. Um, it got like progressively strange from there. I'm going to try and try and share a few things without spoiling anything. Um, there is a, a famous set piece towards the end of the movie um, I believe you guys will know kind of what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, famous imagery associated with, um, with a, a well-known crime. And so um, that that piece at the end of the movie is actually from the original film. Oh, okay. Fun fact. Interesting. Yes. Those are, those, those are the original pieces. We source them. And so... Um, when we finished that scene, um, they were driving it back to the prop house and they, the driver got in an accident. Wow. And everything on this huge truck, including the solid wood foundation around it and everything, I mean, hit a tree completely obliterated the entire back except for the fragile individual pieces. Wow. That's pretty that, crazy. Those, just those two pieces were completely intact, and those are fragile. Everything else, solid Everything wood, else shattered gone. a million pieces. Wow. Yes. Um, the, there's, there's one more thing. Um, I had, um, after we finished the film, I had, um, we had edited it together, and there was just a section that really was not working. We couldn't figure it out. We tried and tried and tried for months. And then finally, one day after we were doing an edit session, I went to bed. And I had dreams about it all night long. And then I woke up out of a dead sleep, sat up straight in bed and was like, I know how to finish this film. I know exactly what to do. And I looked down and there are scribbles, pen marks in the centers of both of my hands, like stigmata. Wow. But I didn't own a pen. And you didn't even have a pen there? Not in the whole house. Wow. That's crazy. That is like borderline poltergeist curse type of stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. And it got progressively. We had a priest come out, bless the house. There was all kinds of crazy stuff there that happened throughout. There's a few other things related to um, the spoiler that I can't share with right. it. But it got to the point where even the, the biggest skeptics on the film were afraid and they're no longer skeptics. They know something mm-hmm. is out there. They just don't know what it is. It just was one thing after another that kept happening with this movie. So we were terrified, <laughs> terrified of what was going to happen with it. And so finally we didn't show it to people for a very long time. This is the longest time we've been in post because we were afraid we were going to like pass on whatever this was to viewers. But uh, we did, we had a screening in Vegas. And, um, <laughs> everybody lived through it for the most part. So that's good. Yeah. You guys and, had a good time uh, in Vegas. <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. And uh, since then it seemed to have gone really well. And, you know, and I really, I got messages um, for years before this film happened that we needed to make it. And so we, 
that was a whole bizarre experience in itself. And then when we finally did, um, and we finally showed it to people, then all the crazy stuff stopped happening. And this has been mm. the biggest relief that we've had. Good. So I guess it just wants to be seen. <laughs> Good. But disclaimer, I, we hold no liability if anything weird happens to you. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Um, <laughs> since you have worked on a lot of paranormal horror movies, you're, I mean, that's your genre. Uh, do you yes. find that this type of thing does seem to happen from time to time with films where they almost seem to be cursed like this? Well, it's funny you say that. Like, um, And I talked to Kyle a little bit about this uh, originally from, from Dwelling. Yeah, because Kyle talked about um, some hauntings there on, on Dwelling. Yes. Yes. And I, you know, full disclosure, um, I was a skeptic, like a hardcore skeptic. Um, mm -hmm. Back when we did Black Dahlia Haunting, I learned everything about paranormal from um, my co-star, Rick Griffith, because he was on the Ghost Hunters TV yeah. show. Right. Yes. Yep. And so he kind of introduced me to the whole world. Um, he took me to all the, the um, live ghost hunts and everything. And I was a, a huge skeptic, did not get it. thought, you know, all these people were crazy. And I started seeing some things with them. Like every time I would go to like a ghost hunt or whatever, all people would pay to go to them and not really have any experiences, but I always had one, but I just figured, eh, whatever. So eventually I knew like, okay, something's a little weird, but whatever. And um, when we finally did this movie, it was just off the chart starting to get scary. And so I actually went on social media and started asking people because we were halfway through editing at that point. And I was like, I can't take anymore. I wonder if, you know, it's, you know we're just cursed. Or, and wouldn't you know, um, we had people from all over the world and like for decades back, filmmakers who said that they had made paranormal movies and they won't anymore because every time they did, they felt like they opened something yeah. or that they had, you know, messed with something. They have, there has been all the way back to, you know, the exorcist, there has oh, yeah. been, you know, horrible things or crazy things that have been happening to people who, who kind of opened that door a little bit. And so now, you know, we have kind of joined a lot of the other people, a lot of the filmmakers in the community who are like, we're done with paranormal because we just don't want to get messed with anymore. I can't. Oh my gosh, girl. I want to live. Mike and I live and breathe it every day. Well, true. Hey, it really isn't that bad. It really isn't that bad. Uh, it just seems that, well, now granted the stroke's bad and the wreck is bad. Yeah, it, it was not like, oh, there's a door opening. I mean, we had all that stuff too where it's kind of like, cool interesting and i don't get afraid easily so i don't say this lightly um you know i mean that business is scary so i you know everyone else be like oh my god did you hear that and i would go, be the person to go over and open the door you know what i mean like this was not fun little interactions this was like stuff was dark it was dark and dangerous so you think though that it isn't so much doing a paranormal ish movie or something about ghosts but more the content of it going to a darker place regardless that maybe I, I thought we were messing yeah because we were not um in in one of the original passes of the film um we we named the demons or the entities yeah, um yeah. and that's bad we learned <laughs> that like abruptly don't do that stuff don't don't call anybody out because they might right. answer um <laughs> but <laughs> as far as you know i I thought if the, the context or what we were dealing with, which was less demonic and more just paranormal, that would be gentler entities, that it wouldn't be as bad. But a lot of filmmakers who did 
or, you know, oh, interesting stories or gentle stories. They said they still had experiences that were extremely negative to the point where they don't want to pursue it anymore. So I think, you know, also we are not experts. We are, we're storytellers. And so I tell everybody now, if you don't know what you're doing, don't mess with it. That's the bottom line. Like if you're ignorantly going out there channeling stuff or looking for things and you don't know what you're looking for, it could be a bad experience. You know, if you're someone who's really um, studied this and focused on this and, and has a clear sense of what you're digging around into, then I say it can be a lot of fun and very rewarding. And, you know, and of course the community is amazing. So be responsible about it, I think, if you're going to. But I Always just don't feel confident advice. enough. <laughs> Always good advice. That's not yeah. bad advice. <laughs> yeah. From yeah. down in the chat room, Shauna asks, um, well, first she states, they say with the Poltergeist films, they believe that the curse is due to Native American energies being angry. Uh, what do you think, Devaney, uh would have been woken up? It, was there anything Native American there? And also, did, yes. any, did anything follow anyone home? Um, yes, there is Native American. There's an underlying story. And in fact, the actor who does the first line in the first scene of our movie is Native American. Oh, okay. Yes. And um, the film throughout, my character Rose carries a Native American emblem um, given right, to right, her right. by this throughout the movie. Um, and it's also, again, this whole thing ties into um, to the ending and the, the history around, uh, around the ending as well. And so, yes, I think um, we really hit all the boxes. We hit um, the Native American spirits. We hit the paranormal energy. We, we filmed a lot of, um, a lot of old potentially haunted places. Um, we had uh, true crime involvement with, you know, a history on its own tied into this. And so we were, and, and then of course, demons and um, exorcisms and all kinds of, we hit every single box in this movie. So, you know, I think we kind of got what we deserved in that capacity, but long story to answer your question. Yes, there is. And, um, and again, you don't know, you don't know what you're messing with, especially when, you know, you bring in real Native Americans. Right. <laughs> right. But he was, but he was actually more of, you know, uh, he was more of a positive influence to the girl at the beginning than something negative. So. Yes, and that's that's what we wanted to. Um, again, I don't know how familiar. You are. Maybe towards the end, we should just say spoilers and actually discuss the ending of the film, so we can tie it into this. But um, the the original backstory um, has this element into play, so we wanted to make sure we honored that and gave that an origin too. So tying um, into the her, Native American grounds that. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. And so this is where that's supposed to come from. So. Um, you know, we're supposed to bring, it was supposed to be a positive thing. And that was a positive role in her, in Rose's life was her grandfather. And so, um, when she's given that emblem, it's a positive thing, but then it's there in present. And we wanted to kind of showcase that it took some negativity when her father, um, killed him and she witnessed it and was holding the emblem at that point. So that was kind of the reference to, okay what was a positive thing has now turned into a traumatic and, you know, an unjust death. Gotcha. That makes so, sense. With, with, all of the, with all of the stuff that happened, with all the, of the negative stuff that happened, did it mostly happen to those that had to pull, those on set, that had to pull so much negative to them in order to portray particular roles? 
Uh, that's a great question. So, um, you know, the few things that happened to me, obviously, I was kind of the center of it on, on all sides. So that made sense. Um, you know, the, the Native American actor who had the stroke on set, um, I mean, unfortunately, horrible as it is, that almost makes sense because um, he was starting the entire film. And, um, and then the person who experienced the car accident uh, was the one who actually found and assembled um, that famous set piece and took it back to them. So that makes sense. Um, and then some of the crazy stuff that happened behind the scenes, it was the writers. And so people who were directly, um, directly responsible for bringing these elements together all experienced something. I mean, I, I didn't think about that until you said that now, but yeah, it, it really does have a correlation there. You had to pull from a really dark place to do what you did. A yeah. place that most of us don't want to admit we have. So that, that is where that question comes from. And, and one of the reasons why I think some of these movies like The Exorcist and, and others have, have this type of activity on set is when you're dealing with something like this and it, and the story has the underlying meaning that it has, actors or writers have to pull from a place that's really uncomfortable. Yeah. And that, that can't help but kick the door. Do you know what I mean? You Well, you're very, very right. I mean, to, to be able to convincingly portray um, possession or, um, or having some kind of demonic influence, uh, it's, you really, if you want to play that authentically, you really have to go as close as you can conceive to that. And again, you're you're a vessel. You are just leaving the you're leaving the door wide open for anybody who thinks that's interesting. And you know, and again, if you don't know what's out there, how to protect yourself. Uh, a great example of that. I'm just ignorantly messing around in the paranormal. Um, Britt Griffith uh, from Ghost Hunters took me to a ghost hunt um, with a small group of friends at a uh, well-known haunted place. And uh, we had several experiences. And one in particular, um, each room was haunted in a different way and there was a journal. So people who stayed at this, this inn could leave any experience that they had to the next person. The book was filled with stuff. And so in, our, in my room, there was allegedly a cat. And so I'm a huge cat person. I'm like, oh, that's cute, whatever. So I woke up in the middle of the night to kneading and purring. But of course, there's nothing there. And I looked down and there is like an imprint of a, of a cat snuggled up and kneading on my chest. I was like, oh, that's so crazy. And so, you know, other people won't be afraid. But I was like, oh, I have a new ghost pet cat. I'm so excited. I'm going to name it, bring it home with me. And, and Britt's like you idiot. I was like, what? I was like, it's so cute. We're going to like, you know, it's like all the fun of having a cat without having to take care of it. I was like totally sold. <laughs> you don't have to and clean the litter box, right? <laughs> I don't have to clean it. It is great. I was so happy. And he's like, you're so dumb. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you just invited that thing to come snuggle up with you and you're ready to take it home with you. You just flat out invited it to come with you. And I was like, yeah. He says, who says that's really a cat? Exactly. <laughs> And I'm like, what do you mean? He was like, that could be, you know, a, a demon giving you the illusion of the cat. So you let it come, snuggle right up with you, and you bring it home with you. 
and you just let yourself wide open. You don't know that that's a cat. I was like, he's not wrong. We don't throw around the D word very often, but he's not wrong. He's not wrong. I was like, mind blown because it didn't even occur to me because my dumb butt did not know enough about what I was messing with to take the proper precautions and not snuggle up with my new pet. Like, so that's, that's what I always reference now when I'm saying you're going to go dig around in things that you are not educated about, or you don't know how to put the right walls up to not just let things in, you know, you have to, you have to be careful. And I feel like when we did this film, you know, we were better educated than we had been prior when we did some things, but still we, we went digging on a lot of, a lot of places where you really can let yourself open to some things. And we definitely, we paid for that. We really did. Wow. Yeah. So I have to ask you about the, uh, cause you're depicting a young, um, well, I, I guess you are not officially a nun yet in, in this movie. You haven't, no, you haven't taken the vows. Yeah, she's, right. She's tra- training. Yes. So that's part of the steps is becoming a right. nun. And, that, so and that's, she's, she's a, yeah, God, I'm sorry. You know, it's, it's part of the plot where one of her hangups is actually going through that process. And uh, we see Stacey Dash's character actually go through that. Um, yes. So um, I had a, I had an aunt or have an aunt who's a nun. She actually at one point was a mother superior for a convent. So, you know, I'm kind of watching oh. for little details and, and what have you. And I thought you guys did a pretty good job of, of depicting the process. So I was wondering... Um, you know, how much research was done in that, or maybe somebody on the team was Catholic. I don't know, but I was kind of curious about that. Uh, those are great questions. We have people on site, um, during actual filming to make sure that the prayers were correct. Um, we actually had the participation, the church we shot in, we had, um, believe it or not, the, the priests and some of the staff there were fans of horror movies they welcomed oh, wow. us <laughs> they were so cool everyone on this they were so so cool. cool um so yeah they actually brought their choir out to sing for us in the background to use tracks like they they were great so we had a lot of reference um to try and make sure that was depicted correctly and the process of becoming a nun um it wasn't in the original script and we just uh felt strongly with more brain and cycle than anybody um really wanted to make sure there was a motivation uh, a driving force for Rose's character through the process that we see her breaking down in her madness. Cause the way it was written originally, she was just kind of going crazy. And so um, this gave her, you know, a path to follow and a route and shows that while other people around her um, are, are achieving their goals and, and, you know, pursuing a life of happiness and holiness, she just couldn't quite get there and couldn't figure out why. So we really loved um, Stacy's character because it kind of showed what she idolized and what she wanted to be and then just couldn't quite get there. She knows there's something wrong and, and fights with herself throughout it to figure out, you know, with the audience what it is. But um, it was really great for Stacy too. Stacy is, um, is a, a Christian um, and very dedicated. Um, and so this was uh, rewarding for her. I, a lot of people were surprised to see her in a film like this. Um, and honestly, so were we. Uh, thank you, Stacey. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but she uh, she really loved the opportunity to uh, showcase her faith, and so she kind of took that head on, and and we were grateful to have her. Yeah, that was really interesting to see her because for a moment, I mean, I've kind of I guess spaced reading the uh, the credits at the beginning, and um, you know when you got to the convent, I'm like, wait a minute, 
that whoever that is seems a lot like Stacy Dash. <laughs> it looks like, oh, that is Stacy Dash. Okay. Yeah. And so that's she's cool. so beautiful in person. I was like, there's actually behind the scenes. I don't know if the gag reel actually made it to uh, the DVD or not, but like my first few lines, I was like lost in her eyes because she's like strikingly attractive. It's it's mm-hmm. almost distracting. And so um, it seemed almost a shame to put her in a, a nun outfit, but she. <laughs> she yeah, she's kind of hidden really in there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But she, is, uh, she was great. She took it very seriously. And, um, and it was fun, fun working with her. Great. Great. So we had a uh, question from the chat room from Rick Gabbert. He wanted to know when filming the Dawn movie, how did it affect you mentally? Oh, man. Um, so I, I helped produce this one, too. So I was oh, well. a mental wreck um, <laughs> before we even started shooting. And uh, this was I, – when I started acting, I used to um, seek out roles that were very physical. So I, And I loved, like, the darkest stuff out there. I loved um, special effects. So I would seek out a lot of, like, torture scenes and things of that. So I loved, like, Saw, torture porn stuff. And um, those, you know, days and days and days – super physical, extensive roles. But I was a teenager. So, you know, when you're a teenager, you can do anything and it's fine the next day. Um, now that I'm getting a little bit older, I really, I felt this. I think um, between trying to write behind the scenes and then also starring in it and something that's literally a slow burn descent into madness um, that then ends with a really, really physical sequence paired with really kind of being on edge every second, not knowing what um, real world paranormal influences were going to happen. It was just a lot. Like I was exhausted by this film and I don't say that about many things. This one really took it out of me and I'm very proud of it. Like everything that I wanted to be there in the film ended up on screen. And so um, people who have seen the film and love it, really love it. And that makes everything worth it. But it definitely, great question, definitely kicked my butt um, and <laughs> had a long period afterwards where we just needed to like settle on yeah. it. So it's just, you know, it's been a little while now and now, now it's fun again. Now I love talking about it. And um, after people watch it, they have a bunch of extra questions, you know, regarding the ending and they want to talk about that. So now it's fun again. <laughs> you said so decompress a, a little bit. <laughs> yes, a yeah. lot, actually. Do you yeah. think that the tension that you felt being worried about what was happening on set in regards to paranormal activity. Do you think the movie would be different if none of that had happened? Do you think that aided in the tension in the movie? I think, um, I think some scenes would be very different. Um, I know I would have performed them differently. Um, I know there would have been a few things, um, overall presented differently um we actually ended up doing a couple of sequences like the water sequence for instance that was um scheduled to be something very very different and due to all kinds of activity we ended up not shooting that day and ended up doing a separate unit in los angeles for that specifically um i almost drowned that day that was like a whole other thing it was really 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 crazy so there were things that ultimately um you know our our team is great we don't miss shots we don't um not finish the film no matter what but there were definitely a couple of things that i think um 
might have been portrayed a little bit differently. Um, in the original ending, um, we had it, it didn't end on the train. I could say the train because that's not a spoiler. It didn't end on the train um, with Ryan Kaiser's character. It ended um, at the original location for um, for our famous ending. <laughs> I don't know how to say that without spoilers. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. It, it, yes. And so it ended there and ironically ended with um, with his character being presented that location by a, um, a local. And this was based on actual historical events. Um his his character was brought to this place to start um, a church and work with the Native Americans um, in the surrounding area, and so um, so we ended it with that in that actual location. And the person who was bringing him that was going to be Eileen Dietz, who played the demon in The Exorcist. Wow. Oh wow! Okay, so weird, kind of cool tie-in. Um, oh, Eileen's a friend of ours. Oh, she was at the screening, I think, actually, that you guys. Oh, was she there? In, in Vegas. Yeah, she was okay, there. I guess I missed her. Supporter. Yeah, she's, she's awesome. So um, so it was a couple little things like that that we ended up um, still accomplishing what we needed to do with the goal. But there's a few little things uh, that tweaked it. Cool. So, again, everybody, you can find a uh, link to the Dawn down in the description of this uh, of this live stream. <clears throat> Excuse me again, um, Devony. I have to uh, have to ask you about uh, about your passion for this genre because you know just finally getting a chance to meet you back at uh, the Shockfest Film Festival uh, in November, and you're 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 energetic, you're bubbly, you're like the nicest person in the world to to meet. Nice. And <laughs> you're welcome, but <laughs> you're in this genre that's like very creepy. You're covered in blood half the time, so I have to ask you where the passion comes from for for this particular genre. Yeah, I, I get that question a lot. I think um, I think people either know me before knowing that I work in horror, or they meet me way after. And both times, it doesn't quite compute. I'm I am very perky and bubbly. I'm very girly. Um, I don't look like someone who'd hang out in horror crowds per se. Um, I I grew up a you know big Disney nerd, and you know I I'm uh, I'm a pretty dedicated Christian myself and so it didn't quite fit I wasn't allowed to watch horror movies growing up um I came in a very like reserved household mom you know mom got a Disney movie (laughs) so um I didn't see anything horror until I was an adult I saw Jurassic Park as a kid because mom thought it was a nice little dinosaur movie and then they started like coming out of the dark and eating everybody I was like this is awesome I love it it's totally your thing Totally into it. And so when I got to be, you know, um, I was emancipated a little bit at, at 17. And so that's when I started doing movies and I just started watching everything I could. And I did, um, I did a horror movie first, um, coming off of a career in musical theater, which is what I was going to college for. I thought I wanted to be um, a professional musical theater person. And um, I didn't find any theater in Arizona where I had gone out to go to college. And instead I found an independent film and I didn't even know what that was. I was like, what's an indie film? Mom thought I was doing porn. She prayed for me oh, and everything. Geez. And yeah, no, I was like, mom, I swear it's a horror movie. She didn't know what that was either. And so um, I did it and it was such a fun process. Everyone was so great. We were on location for a month. Um, we were on location for a month in the woods up, up, 
upstate uh, Arizona. And so I just got immersed in filmmaking. And so I learned about, you know, the other actors. I learned about all the crew. And I just rode them nuts asking, you know, each person on the job, what does that do? What does this do? Who, you know, why do you play like this? And so I learned all about film. And then I did another one. I did um, uh, a romantic uh, comedy of sorts and halfway through the movie I was like man this is a lot of work and everyone's irritating like when do I get to kill people <laughs> and so <laughs> I realized pretty early on that I like the darker stuff um my my original character it was my first movie was called The Lonely Ones um very independent film but it has such a unique story that it did really well overseas so people always wanted to contact me and talk about my character and the folklore behind it and I thought that was so fun it connected me with horror fans all over the world and um right after that I met uh, Lloyd Kaufman from Trauma and he kind of took me under his wing and introduced me to a million more people in that and I just kind of abruptly got immersed in the horror community and culture. And so from there, people saw my first movie and they're like, come do my movie. And so I was just going back to back to back and I was shooting about 10 or 12 movies a year right off the bat. Wow. And, um, it's a lot of work. I just, it, it was, but it, it was like the best kind of work. You know, I was in my best life and I just learning as much as I could. And I just got, again, engulfed by this amazing community. And, you know, I was spoiled right away because uh, genre filmmakers are the most passionate. They are artists. They love what they do. They want to be there. You know, 20 hour days, nothing. And, you know, we don't have any money. Let's figure it out. And everything about it is just creating art and um, and building something together and going through an experience together. And the whole thing was just, so amazing to me that anything else I did afterwards was lackluster. I did I wasn't feeling the same kind of satisfaction. Like I was like, how am I going to go do a normal job? <laughs> and so um, I, I learned as much as I could about it. I love that the horror genre. There are no restrictions. You know, you do a romance, a romantic comedy, or you know, a drama, and you have to play by certain rules in horror. In paranormal, you know, there are no rules. You don't even have to stick to this world. There are other right. creatures. There are other dimensions. I mean, there is no restriction. Anything goes. And I love that um, that opportunity to be so creative. And so I am very passionate about it. And, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a little over a decade now. And I am just as passionate as I was day one. And I feel so lucky to spend my time working with people who feed that. And, you know, and satisfy that. I have to tell you, listening to you talk, and this is probably not anything you've ever thought about, but as you speak of this, I, I see your perfect role. <laughs> and, I, I, and I know one movie has been done-ish about her, but you really need to play Elizabeth Bathory. Oh my God, I just <laughs> heard you say that before you said that. So yeah. the funny, funny thing about that uh -huh. is, she is quietly, and I've only said this in one other interview, and I told them to take it out. Um, she is my dream role. Well, this is kind of what I do, there honey. I'm psychic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vanessa's a psychic medium, like, so, you know. As soon as you say the perfect role, I'm like, she's going to pull it out of my head right now, and you just totally nailed it. And, yes, I have not put that anywhere online. It has not been in any of my interviews. That is quietly my dream role, and I... You would be brilliant. 
Yeah, I would love to play her. But it's it's hard. And the few times I've tried to um, work in that direction, mm-hmm. the, the mainstream industry would never accept her story authentically. She's way too dark. Like, you know, I got really excited for a second when they let um, Zac Efron play Bundy. I was like, oh, my God, their mainstream's going to embrace, you know, real true crime and horror and no they watered it down with like a love story from her perspective like a lifetime movie so um i don't know how to tell her story without severely watering it down i think if you do that it's a disservice to that that history and to her victim so what would so be we're all going to hope interesting is if you didn't tell her story as it was but let's assume for a moment that she didn't die and you tell her story as it will be. I mean, that's a I think you should be a, a you're a writer, darling. You you a writer credit. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just can't. It, w- it would be like Elizabeth Bathory in today's times because that you're you're absolutely correct. Elizabeth Bathory, twenty twenty. Yep. Yeah, I could so <laughs> freaking see it. Sony probably just heard you and then greenlit it. It'll be on Netflix a couple of weeks. Mother trucker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Devony and I claim props on that, okay? So anyone does that. You got it right know. here on the rabbit hole. It's archived. We'll be good. Oh, my gosh. Get proof so right here. Well, thank yeah. you for that. I appreciate it. You're Hopefully we can welcome. make it happen. Oh, damn right. <laughs> I'm going to start working on that. <laughs> There you go. I just want to uh, quickly uh, throw a couple shout outs on there. We do have a couple of local uh, filmmakers down there from Chicago in the chat room in Tom McNicholas in Nick Moulet. Hey, so they are familiar with your, Yeah, they're familiar with your work. So um, Hello, hello. Yeah. Um, what was it I was going to ask? Darn it. I just had it. And then you went all Elizabeth Bathory on me. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. She is Elizabeth Bathory. I yeah, just... yeah. Oh, I remember. Okay, uh, so in addition to the acting, Devney, I've also noticed that um, you like to do a lot of work um, kind of behind the scenes with the cameras in that as well. I remember um, it was a few years ago now, uh, you popped into one of my, uh, I was just doing it on Facebook, a live stream. I think I was, it was, I was reviewing a 360 camera or something, and you had like a bunch of yes. techie questions for me as I was running through that. So you, you seem to have an interest there as well. I, I do. And, you know, I, I make my way around to every department. I think um, the more you can know about every corner of your craft, the better you are at it. And um, I got into filmmaking itself a few years back. And so um, now I, I try to learn what I can. And the 360s are super cool. And I love that you, you were the first person on there um, that had been testing it like that in that okay. medium. And so what, what I really, um, I love to know the specs. Love to know how it works. Love to know how it's compatible um, with streaming because that's kind of where the market was moving in that direction. And then um, a lot of the studio systems were starting to embrace 360 and VR as part of their marketing. And so um, originally, we had wanted to do um, the Dawn with a 360 VR experience during oh. the ending. Interesting. Right. That would be so really interesting. That, yeah. So ironically, here we are now talking about it because when I was asking you about those questions, it was to potentially implement it for that scene. I mean, that that would actually be really cool to, to have a, a film experience in 360 with, with scenes like that. 
That would be yep. pretty wild. Yeah. It hasn't been done yet, I think. But now, of course, that I've said it, I'm sure someone's going to work on it. But oh, yeah, I'll be out that tomorrow. That was the original. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, recently, that was the intention. Um, and there's a couple other things, too, that we wanted to try. As much as we can, we want to try and bring the audience into the movie, and whether it's a taunt later or we're here talking about it and discussing it or... Um, or if you could literally participate in the scene, like we're always trying to um, take popular concepts and things that people like or know or familiar with and twist it and bring something new to it. And so when I saw you playing with that, I was like, oh, I want to know about that camera. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, I did want to because we got about uh, 10, 12 minutes left. I did want to talk a little bit about uh, dwelling since, uh, you know, we we did a lot. We covered that a lot here on this channel. Um, and so our viewers are pretty familiar with that. And you played um, Aaron's sister. Uh, character's River, name was yeah. River. Yes. So, um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your experience with dwelling. I'm going to throw up a couple of the dwelling photos here real quick. Yeah. Uh, dwelling was awesome. It was a very special experience to me. Um, I just kind of as a rule, usually don't work with first-time directors. Um, and after a couple of bad experiences, I really don't do many um, crowdfunded projects either. However, um, I had just come off of a couple of movies in Upstate New York with some of the team that ended up being on Dwelling. And I really liked them. And so when they contacted me about uh, doing this story specifically, and I talked to Kyle, um, and Kyle's young too, kind of bright eyed. And, you know, a lot of times um, brand new filmmakers are excited, but like the execution is still a learning curve and you kind of have to bear with somebody while they learn. But Kyle came to me and he was super mature, had a very specific vision for this, this story. Um, the way he knew how he wanted to achieve it and, you know, and it was achievable. And I just, everything that I talked to him about and the rest of the team, I was like, this, this film needs to happen. This film is special. And so I signed on right away and um, I actually helped them find Erin who I thought was perfect to, uh, to lead it. I had just worked with her um, on uh, the Charles Manson movie we did. Right. House, House of Manson. Manson. Yeah. That was a good yeah. one. Yeah. And she was great there. And I was like, I've got a girl I think be perfect for this. And so um, she came on board to do it. And then, um, they started building it. We helped them crowdfund it, which I rarely do, but um, people were really receptive in the paranormal community. I, I was coming off of, you know, Black Dahlia tours at that point. So they were awesome and supportive and, um, and we shot it and we had a great time filming it. It was beautifully done. I was so proud of Kyle. Like he just made something really, really special. And, um, when it was done, we, we screened it in, um, and some of the convention scene and the paranormal supporters really like got behind us and helped us keep it going. And then um, eventually, uh, I was able to pass it off to a couple of friends and ironically, Sony Home ended up distributing it. And it was like this big success story from beginning to end. And I, I was just really glad that I got to be a part of it because um, cause I think it really shows um, it shows the New York film community at its best. I think it shows paranormal storytelling at its most proficient. And I 
Kyle, if you're listening, I hope you do a sequel. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> well, I tagged him on the event, so I hope he does catch this. Um, I was okay. I was just uh, chatting with him a couple days ago because um, I had posted a, a video from Hinsdale House, and he had been there last year. I guess a couple months before I. But yeah, that was one that I was I was one of those guys that jumped in on the uh, on the crowdfunding because. Um, I don't know. I saw. I came across it somewhere on social media, and just loved the loved the concept uh, of right? that film. That you know, yes. they're purposely moving into that house because it's haunted. You know, and it was like, wow, that's that's a very different concept. Usually, it's they move into the house, they don't know it's haunted, and then the haunting oh slowly comes up. See, I, I don't like to view films or even watch films that you know. There's always this, a trend that happens, and you have mm-hmm. like you know a hundred movies that fit exactly. They don't bring anything new. to do it and so when he told me it was like a couple moves into a house I almost snored I was like I'm not doing this but then he kept talking and I was like oh my god it was so simple so effective and it hadn't been done before and I was like we could make this happen really quickly or somebody else thinks yeah yeah it was very fresh yeah I think you know I think people appreciated that and you know and again it was done so successfully that um, even on its limitations, you know, people really, they got behind it. And, you know, I mean, what, what can you ask for? That's like the best experience. It was authentic too. I mean, as, as somebody, and I, I am part of the esoteric community, many people that, that I am friends with are part of the esoteric community. And with certain things that you used in that film and, and how you did it and how you portrayed it was very authentic. And it's, that was appreciated in ways we can't even describe because that is not always the case. Well, I think, you know, and even when, when I started, when I was a skeptic, you have to respect the material and the people that you're trying to tell a story through. If you don't care about telling a story for a certain group of viewers, then you have no business telling it. You know, it has to be, if it's for them, then it needs to really be for them. And, you know, Kyle not only was, um, part of the paranormal community and and um, and someone who studied it and believes in it. You know, his the story originated from some of his personal experiences, and he brought that that authenticity to his story and his script. And I think that's why, no matter where you come from or what your stance is on um, on the paranormal, you could watch it, identify with it, and and go through that journey and and be engrossed in it and. You know, ultimately, it's about family as much as it is about the other side. And I think, you know, again, Kyle just really pulled that off. You all did. You all did. One person doesn't make a movie. It was a joint effort. And every one of you, at least that that was visible to me and and everybody in the background, did a very good job at portraying that in the appropriate light. I think, you know, it was, again, sometimes it, it just hits, and I feel like that was one. That was one of the few movies I'm, again, very, very proud of because I think everyone brought their A-game and really wanted to tell a good story, and I, I think that's what happened. Do you guys have anyone on set when you're doing movies that, that have a specific interest like that, whether it's esoteric or, or religious? Do you have advisors on set to talk um, about? Things every like film is diff- a great question. Every film's different. Um, every set of filmmakers is different. Some, again, some care more than others about authenticity. Um, and so it really is that objective. Uh, in the films that I make, we, 
you know, we are rooted in um, in true stories, people's stories, true crimes. Um, that's literally like the kind of the foundation for a lot of the films that we do. And so we come from that space and try to stay as close to that as possible. Um, me as an actor, um, I play a lot of real people or, or real experiences. And so um, I think, again, you have, you have no no right <laughs> to portray it or tell that story if you don't care about the story itself and want to bring in the most authentic experience possible. So I always, from my first roles, I always try to reach out um, and gain knowledge, whether it's, you know, whether it's a dialect, as we discussed before, or um, a style of living or, um, or something that, you know, a way of being like paranormal. The, the reason that Britt Griffith and I originally had become friends um, and ended up doing Black Dahlia together is because uh, we had the same publicist about that time and we knew we wanted to tell um, a paranormal story but we were not, you know, necessarily fans of or well-versed in the paranormal at that time. And so we originally reached out to Britt as an advisor when Brandon was drafting the script. He would, you know, call him day and night and ask, would a ghost do this? How would this interact? If you had this experience, what would happen? And so um, I think Black Dahlia's original success was really very much lent to that expertise and authenticity that, you know, both the paranormal horror and general public acknowledge just to be a little bit more specific and different than someone who just wrote a haunted house movie and didn't know what they were talking about. And right. so, you know, I think it comes down to your interest and, you know, I hate to say it, but kind of the laziness of the filmmakers and what their goals are sometimes, you know, in the indie space, people just want to make money and move along. Um, or they just want to, you know, have fun with their friends and move along. But, um, you know, Brandon likes to be, really detailed in his storytelling and Kyle, um, you know, really wanted to share an authentic experience for a very specific group of viewers to be satisfied. And, you know, I think as we all see that really that extra attention pays off. Absolutely. Uh, we have a, uh, just a couple minutes here. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple minutes left here. Uh, I do have a couple of questions from the chat that I just want to throw out there real quick. Um, we'll wrap that up. So from Rick Gabbert, he says, I've been in a couple of independent films in the past myself. What kind of tips could you give me to become better in those kind of films? Uh, absolutely. So, um, well, actually, let's start here. What kind of independent films do you like to do? Independent film um, in general is, well, it's specific. Independent film is any kind of film that has been produced, financed outside of the studio system. So, um, for instance, you can have, you know, a $20 million blockbuster um, that comes out in theaters nationwide and that could still qualify as an independent film um, as long as it was financed <laughs> independently. So that's an independent gotcha. film. So um, if you want to be an actor in an independent film, uh, the perks of that are generally there's less uh, corporate involvement, there's less overhead that you have to answer to, which means that the process is usually more creative and less business-like. So a lot of, um, a lot of actors uh, love to target independent films to kind of stretch their legs. So 
you get generally more interesting, more complex characters, um, a little bit more off the beaten path storylines, whereas, um, you know, in mainstream, you kind of get, you know, superheroes, which are awesome too, by the way, but um, <laughs> just a little bit of different kind of storytelling. So to be the best in them, um, I'd say study your craft, make sure that, you know, when you're ready and you get a job that, uh, you bring your A game and you're, you're well versed. It's, you know, it's like anything else. You could go to the gym for a while and you're rocking, but then you stop for six months. You may not be as strong right. um, when you go back in there. So I'd say, you know, always be, be studying and, and um, great. You know, there's acting class, there's meetups, there's things just to kind of keep, keep yourself fresh. Uh, I say for me, I'm always people watching. Um, it kind of gets creeper a little bit, <laughs> especially if you see me at a convention or somewhere right. and you like see me stirring the space or eyeing someone up. I'm a little bit creeper that way, but it's because um, I'm watching, you know, human interaction. Um, I'm watching body language. I'm watching um, the way people talk to each other, the decisions they make, the slight movements in their face. Uh, those are all things that are truth that you can use and pull from um, when you're developing characters. So uh, that could be fun and uh, and practical at the same time. And go for it. Make sure you're active online. Um, filmmakers, especially us low-budget indie people, we, we love to interact. And um, and then, you know, it makes you part of the film community and makes work more visible. And, of course, support support the movies so people right. keep greenlighting and we can all keep working. <laughs> yes, definitely support <laughs> the <question>. films. <laughs> yes, please. But good luck to you. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Tom McNicholas, um, just, uh, he states, love the movie Truth or Dare You Made. My friend Heather was also in it. And then um, from, this will be our last question. Robert Hanna asks, what are your thoughts on the Nun movie? Uh, that's a great question. And I actually haven't gotten that yet, so thank you for asking me. Um, I have not seen it. Ah, okay. And which is really ironic to say right after I said support film. But, um, and you just played a nun, and I just played a nun. Um, I didn't want to see it because, um, and if you haven't seen The Dawn yet, you'll kind of understand a little bit better why afterwards. Um, they have more in common with them than just there's a nun, right? And so, I didn't want that to influence, um, any decisions on the filmmaking side of it or on the acting side of it. I kind of wanted to. Um, bring my own and our own take to that. But now that it's done, um, they ironically kind of live in the same universe. And so I will be, uh, now that the film has come out on DVD, I'm actually going to be watching it. Cool. So please check back. And uh, <laughs> I'd love to chat about that one too. Great, great. Yeah, we'll, we'll chat about that when you come back. So speaking of, we are, we're at our hour mark. So we're going to have to. Wow, uh, fast hour. Yeah, it does go by fast. So let everybody know where they can find you and where they can find the new film. Great. Uh, well, I am Debbie Pinn, D-E-V-A-N-N-Y-P-I-N-N. And that is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, I am most active on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I try on Instagram, so if you're on there, please add me, but I am not nearly as well-versed on there yet, so be patient. Um, I'm very active, love to chat. I try to get back to everybody who messages me, especially if you want to chat movies. I'm all about it. Um, and the film is available on, uh, most easily found on Walmart shelves right now. just came out this week. Um, it's also available online. Um, 
iTunes, uh, Vudu, Amazon Prime, um, uh, Barnes and Noble, Target.com has it. I think some stores have it. Uh, but yeah, if you can't find it there, message me. I have a full list, which I should have in front of me, but I don't. And I can send you the entire list so you can watch it on your preferred platform. There you go. And we do have a link down in the description. I think that's the uh, the Amazon link. Because um, you guys are awesome. Thank you. <laughs> well, we want to help promote you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Devonnie, thank you so much for, for coming on and talking about the Dawn and your work. It, it's been an absolute pleasure. And it was really great to finally get a chance to meet you back in November. I hope we can uh, meet up again soon. I would absolutely love this. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. And I really do hope you have me back so we can uh, continue yeah. this and uh, and chat some more. Yeah, and, and I better see you both on online in the meantime. Thank you to everyone who came out to the comment section. And, uh, and let's chat again soon. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right, take care, Devin. Have a great night. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.